Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading a new book today, Rainbow Garden, by Patricia Sanjan, with permission of Moody Publishing Company. And chapter one, Land of Sunshine. It all began one cold January night when I was kneeling in front of my mother's fireplace, drying my hair. Outside, the snow was falling over London, and the footsteps and the noise of the traffic were muffled. But inside my mother's pink bedroom, with velvet curtains closed and the lamps casting a rosy light, we were very warm and cozy. I was enjoying myself, for it was one of those very rare evenings when my mother was at home and seemed to have nothing to do except be with me. This was so so unusual that at first we had not quite known what to say to each other. But we had watched TV, and then she brought out a pile of magazines full of patterns, and she let me choose a new summer dress. After that, she had washed my hair and dried it while I watched in the long mirror and ate chocolates. Should have been a lovely evening. Mrs. Moody, the housekeeper, had a day off and had gone to Golders Green, and the flat seemed somehow brighter without her. I was fond of Mrs. Moody, who looked after me far more than my mother did, but she was not a very cheerful person to have around. She disapproved of Mummy because she went to so many parties and stayed out late at night and got up late in the morning. Mrs. Moody in her younger days went to bed at ten and got up at six and no nonsense. But his mother usually went to bed at two and got up at ten. I couldn't see that she really was any lazier than Mrs. Moody. They both spent exactly the same number of hours in bed. Mrs. Moody, Mrs. Moody disapproved of me, too, because she thought I had too many party clothes and too many cake, cream cakes for tea. I had heard her tell the cook in the down, flat downstairs that I, could, I would grow up to be a butterfly like my mother. The cook had replied that for all my fine clothes, I was, just, I was a plain little thing, and I didn't understand what she meant. Mommy, I said, tossing back my hair and looking at her, you still haven't told me what day I'm going back to school. It must be soon now. My mother was silent for a few minutes, and I began to wonder what was the matter. I had asked twice before, and she had changed the subject. When, Mummy? I repeated impatiently. Instead of answering the simple question, my mother suddenly said, Elaine, would you like to go to the country? I twisted my head around and stared at her. The country, I repeated. Why? Where? Do you mean instead of going to school? Well, no, replied my mother, not exactly. I mean... You'd go to school in the country, and I'm sure you'd love it when spring comes. The thing is, Elaine, I've got the offer of a marvelous job, but it means traveling about and going abroad, and I just can't take you with me. Well, I said after thinking over for a few minutes, I think I'd rather stay here with Mrs. Moody. I'll be at school all day, and we'd all be be all right in the evenings. You'd be home for the holidays, wouldn't you? But darling, answered my mother rather impatiently, because she always liked everyone to agree with her plans at once. You don't understand. We couldn't afford to keep the flat and Mrs. Moody just for you. You'll simply love it in the country, and there's such a nice family who's willing to have you. They've got six children, and there's a girl named Janet who's only a few months younger than you. But if you give up the flat, Mrs. Moody, I said blankly, where will my home be? I mean, I won't belong anywhere. My mother gave a little shrug of annoyance, and I knew she thought I was being naughty and difficult, but I couldn't help it. I didn't particularly mind Mummy going, for I never saw her much in any case. But Mrs. Moody and the flat were a different matter. I would be like a stray cat, not and not belong anywhere. Besides, if I go to the country and didn't like it, 
or if those six children turned out to be horrible, where could I go back to? Don't be silly, Elaine, pleaded my mother. Of course, when I come back, we'll have a new home and you'll always belong to me. Do try to be sensible. <clears throat> I don't want to leave you, but it would be better for you later on if I earn more instead of what this part-time job I've been doing pays. Besides, I've always wanted to go abroad, and this is a marvelous chance. I sat staring into the red glow of the fire, my mouth closed in an obstinate line. Six children in the country sounded horrible to me, and I didn't want to go at all. My mother was quite annoyed at my silence, and she started again in a coaxing voice. You've no idea how nice it will be, she urged. I've taken such trouble to find a really nice place for you. Mrs. Owens was at school with me, and though we've lost touch, I liked her better than any other girl I knew. Then when your father was killed, she wrote to me. She saw the news of the plane crash in the paper, and she wanted to know about, about you and asked if she could be of any help. Of course, you were only tiny then, but I wrote to her a little while ago and asked if she knew of a nice boarding school, and she answered by return mail, offering to have you in her home so that you could go to school with her daughter, Janet. It was very, very good of her, Elaine, and you must try to be a sensible girl. France isn't far away, and I will come over and see you from time to time. I sat silent, but I could see her face by glancing in the mirror, and it was clear that she was worried and frowning. Elaine, she said suddenly, I've got to have a little party tomorrow night to say goodbye to a few friends. You can help me get ready, and then you can put on your best party dress and come to the beginning of it. Won't that be fun? I looked up quickly. Tomorrow? Already? I cried. Then when are we going? Well, my mother said hesitantly, there'll be a lot of packing up in the flat, and I thought you'd better go fairly soon. I told Mrs. Owen you'll go on Friday. Friday, I thought to myself. Today is Tuesday, just three more days. I suddenly felt terribly lonely, but I wasn't allowed to say no, and it didn't seem much good making a fuss when it was all settled. Nor did there seem to be anyone else to talk about, so I escaped as soon as I could and crept away to bed. The next day was busy, and I almost forgot my fears in the preparation for the party. The guests were coming in at 8.30, and half past seven, I was already in my best dress with my hair carefully curled. I had never been to a grown-up party before, and I wondered what we'd do. I was disappointed on the whole, for although everybody made a fuss at me to begin with, they soon forgot about me. There were no other children, and we didn't play games, although I think they were going to play cards later on. They sat about eating and smoking and making jokes I couldn't understand. I began to feel dizzy from the heat and the smoke and rather sick from all the cakes I'd eaten. Mummy was easy, busy pouring drinks, and I didn't think anyone would notice if I went away. I slipped out and went into the kitchen. Mrs. Moody had not, at least had not forgotten me. She was sitting in an armchair, mending my clothes. Come along, Elaine, she said sharply. It's time you're in bed. You're half asleep. I still felt sick and leaned up against her. Come with me, Mrs. Moody, I whispered. I feel sick. I'm not surprised such going-ons at your age, retorted Mrs. Moody, getting up at once. And she put her arm around me very gently and led me to my room and helped me get ready for bed. Then she fetched me a, a hot water bottle because I was shivering. Mrs. Moody, I said suddenly, I'm going to the country and Mummy's going to France. So I understand, she said stiffly. Mrs. Moody, I whispered, have you ever lived in the country? A slow smile spread over Mrs. Moody's face. 
I was brought up in Sussex, she said, in a little cottage with a garden full of lavender and sweet peas and roses. To my mind, it's a better place than London for children. I snuggled closer. It sounded like the nicest kind of story. In my imagination, I could see Mrs. Moody as a little girl, thin, straight-backed, and solemn, with her hair pulled back behind her ears. Go on, I whispered. Tell me more. She gave one of her rare little chuckles. I can't remember much about it now, Elaine, she said, except the swallows making nest under the thatch and the stream where we used to play, all golden-like, and the posies we used to pick. My granddad knew the name of all the wildflowers. A burst of laughter exploded across the passage. <laughs> I nestled close, closer to Mrs. Moody. We seemed shut in by ourselves in a whirl of happy memories. Mrs. Moody, I said pleadingly, why don't you come with me? Because I'm not invited, love, she answered, and you're a big girl now. I've got another job as a housekeeper, but I shall miss you, dearie. I really will. Tell me more about the country then, I said, and she chatted on about the lambs and the cows, the fruit picking in the orchards. I felt cool and well again, and I lay listening until I fell asleep. And tomorrow we'll be on chapter two, the welcome. I love you. I'm praying for you, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.